What's going on, Winnipeg fans all across the U.S. and Canada? This is the Winnipeg Terminal. You are now boarding. I'm Mike D'Andrea. This is Joe Pritchard. How are we doing, Joe? Uh, just uh, living the dream. We were talking uh, right before the show started about uh, just kind of how busy things have been on uh, on the personal front. And, well, of course, some of us have uh, a couple jobs that I guess are occupations and others, well, it may be jobs around the house that have those um, unannounced victories, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, it's just been a pretty busy stretch as of late, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and the and the and the and the wheel keeps on turning too. Bombers have news coming out every day. The Jets are back in action. They've got three more games in a four day stretch coming up here. So we'll have we'll have a lot to talk about. It's just going to be it's just kind of hard for us to keep up lately, isn't it, Ben? Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, there's a reason why today, of course, we had to postpone the show a day. Yesterday, Valentine's Day, kind of a day to spend with family. But the good news out of that is that we have another game to dissect that actually went our way. So it it just kind of played out in our favor that we did postpone uh, the show for a day. But we'll kind of dive into that in just a bit. But first, I think the the thing that we should start out with is what I referred to as the tomfoolery in the Battle of Ontario. So, I mean, everybody has been asking, oh, what are your thoughts? Like, was this warranted for Morgan Riley to, to do this? And, you know, I'll just kind of get my thoughts out in the air and then I'll ask yours, Joe. But I like the idea, you know, I mean, it's that's not the first time that an empty netter has been flashy. Um, but, you know, I, I like that he was the, the frustration was there. The passion was there. But all of that said, you still have to control your stick. And he did get the shoulder first. I'll, I'll say that much. But when you're kind of driving your stick up like that and you hit a shoulder, it's pretty inevitable that you're going to get someone in the head. And much like we talked last week uh, about Dilly Dilly with the, the hit to the head that may or may not have actually warranted a, a five-game suspension like Morgan Riley got. Um, but it's something that Dylan's was a little different because it was kind of in the heat of the moment, so to speak, the speed of the game. Uh, and he didn't really look to intentionally go for the head, but it was a hit to the head nonetheless, which again is something that the league is trying to avoid. Whereas Morgan Riley kind of just went straight for the head. I mean, it, to me, it, it warrants the, the five gamer, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that too. Well, I think it could have been handled a completely different way. You know that the flashy goal was meant to irritate you. The player that scored the flashy goal has already got the reputation of a guy that's going to try to get under your skin. The best thing you can do in that situation, let him be out there, show what he's about, and don't do anything. Because I guarantee you the rest of the league is watching and they don't like it either. Why put yourself in a position where you have to take the punishment for something that the rest of the league is going to help you deal with later on? Because they're not going to like what the guy did either. Mm-hmm. And they're going to keep that in their mental memory bank. But instead, you threw yourself in the in the crosshairs of the league discipline 
by going and doing something that you can't defend, even though the code says you're justified by doing it. Like everybody knows that the flashy goal was obviously there to irritate you, but nobody in the league is going to tolerate that. And he's going to, he's going to pay for it across the league. No, he's going to have that extra bump in the corner every Mm -hmm. time he plays now because they know, because everybody knows that when he gets a chance, he's going to do things to irritate you. Really? He kind of reminds me of Sean Avery. Oh, yeah. oh man maybe, maybe too far maybe that's too far right now but like that's exactly <laughs> what he's trying to do is to get under your skin and make you do something stupid so that your team is penalized and his team has the advantage from that don't this makes me it. think that does that make morgan riley nigel dots possibly <laughs> but like don't don't fall for it the code is there yes you're upset rest of the league is watching too they know what he's about don't hurt your own self that's fair who oh man you know i i wish that i can remember the name is escaping me and i know that one of the viewers are going to be like uh how how do you not know this but um it was someone from washington years ago that on an empty netter i think this was actually oh dale hunter you're talking about there we go okay so just waits at the front of the net and waits and waits and no one's coming. And that, I think, was that game against Ottawa? I want to say he, I forget if he hit Turgeon or LaFontaine off the top of my head, but it was a star player he hit too. Mm-hmm. If we're thinking of the same thing anyway. I... So I think I was thinking of something different, um, but awesome. now I know where you're. I know where you're going with this. So I'm going um, in a different direction, which is okay. yes. So and that'll happen at times, but um, anyways. Uh, so I wish that I could play the clip, but it was he basically stopped right in front of the net and waited for anyone to show up, and because they they weren't chasing him, you know, it was free empty net. He's you know strides ahead of anyone yeah and he totally just like waits there and i was which is fine and just yep just tosses it right in like waiting at the goal line until someone shows up and then tosses it in but i mean that that wouldn't be so it wasn't like that was the first uh slap in the face sort of empty net goal but then i saw something else on facebook that was like there were so many other ways that he could have went with that you know no. he could have done the uh the Michigan, just go behind the net, do the the Michigan. Uh, there was another one they they called it the pre-selly. So start start your selly on the way in, <laughs> just tap it in. And or like I mean, not you use the use the uh, use the butt end of the stick as a pool cue. Yeah, <laughs> and not that I advocate for all of that, but I mean. Also, we'd sit there and laugh our ass off if we saw it live. So, oh, if I saw that live, (laughs) I'd be on that like white on rice. Mm -hmm. But that might cause a that might cause an old fashioned line brawl. Oh, absolutely. You know, remember uh, the line brawl of when when Torts was in Vancouver against uh, Calgary? Oh man, that that would probably escalate to that proportion where. Torts was uh, was it going into Calgary's locker room, 
and I, I I like to to watch the guys on the ice go at, but like you know we're we're deviating like we always do, but like Torts, in my opinion, was way out of line to try to go into their locker room and pick fights. Like if you want to yeah, even go, usually not the wisest move to come off the field of play. Yeah, like because all bets are off there. Yep. <laughs> And I mean, like, even if you wanted to go to the other bench, not that I think that that's wise either, but I think it's at least smarter to maybe go to the other bench instead of trying to go into their locker room. Just a thought. Well, I mean, this is also a league where players have climbed into the stands and hit people with shoes. So nothing. Hey, Mike Milbury, how we doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, you know. This kind of, I think it's a perfect segue because we're talking Mike Milbury. And I wanted to get this out here because I haven't even cracked my non-alcoholic beer yet because it's still midway through February. And like we said, I talked myself into another dry month. I always like to advertise what beer I'm drinking. And this one's not my typical Bush Light or Bush NA rather, or even the Blue Moon NA. I was at Milwaukee Burger in Eau Claire and... I'm friends with the general manager there. She comes up to me and says that they have this new um, non-alcoholic beer that's from Sam Adams called Just the Haze. So I got it right here. And I'm not much for IPAs. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll have like one. I do enjoy one uh, or two tops. But then I guess to me, it just gets a little too bitter um, to have more than, say, two. But... This is one that if you put a regular IPA in front of me and then you put this one right next to it and told me which one is the non-alcoholic version, I wouldn't be able to tell you. It's pretty incredible, actually. Which means, so, they, kudos which to means Sam they've Adams. done it right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I don't think Sam Adams can brew a bad beer if they tried. But um, I just I think it's one of my favorite breweries in Oktoberfest there. I put that up with uh, Lineys, and everybody that knows me knows how partial I am to Line and Kugels, based right out of our hometown. Mm-hmm. See, I was in a rush to get here and get going, so I still have my coffee going. <laughs> Sometimes you no, need I was, at, I was at the fan fan appreciation right after the Banjo Bowl, and they were handing these out to everybody walking by, just like, here, have one. Here, have two. <laughs> I, I brought home two, and I own zero. I'm actually borrowing this from my wife. <laughs> that sounds like something that would happen in the Dandria house too. Mm-hmm. Yep. All those videos about, Hey, look, I have six different containers of fluids open. Yeah. I know all about that. <laughs> well, you know, we were saying earlier too about how we have a little extra content to talk about today since we did postpone it a day. So, I want to dive right into the bit of a turnaround that uh, the boys are showing. So first off, let's just talk about the game last night against San Jose. Now, at face value, this was something that we discussed before the show. At face value, one to nothing against the San Jose Sharks at home looks very disappointing. Yes, it was a shutout. That's great. But if you look at nothing else besides a score, one nothing, you're like, why did we not blow them out? Why was it such a, a close game? But then you look Especially at Especially when other. there's been trouble scoring goals lately to begin with. Yes. And now you look at other stats that are at play, no pun intended, of course. And 
the one that kind of stuck out to me the most, you know, of course, when I woke up this morning, I didn't get to watch the, the game. I kind of go to bed a little early, but um, the thing that blew me away was the shots on goal and the difference that there was. It was actually pretty incredible to see the boys put up 39 shots on goal and only give up 17, even if it's against a team like San Jose. You know, they're, they're still NHL caliber players. Uh, and, you know, to to see someone who's not always on the score sheet being the one who scored the lone goal, that's very, uh, you know, pleasing to see as well. Because while our guys like Kyle Connor or Mark Scheifele or whomever, well, you know, whomever, uh, they weren't necessarily on the, the score sheet scoring goals, but our depth players are getting the job done. That's something you want to see, especially when scoring is an issue, even for your normal top goal scorers. Nikolai Ehlers, another one. And we talked about his stats last week. Yeah, and you you do want to see more on the score sheet, but the opportunities were there last night. Oh, uh, for sure. We reference we reference getting goalied, and we usually when when you say that, usually talking about a disappointing loss where you put up a ton of shots, ton of great opportunities. And the other team's got a couple of squeakers in there, and you can't quite catch up because the other team's goalie's going nuts. Well, that kind of happened last night, and the Jets still won, so I'll take that. And what's kind of funny is the uh, first star of the game was San Jose's goalie, and rightfully so. Uh, but kind of disappointing to not see Morgan Barron uh, in the top and the stars of the game. You know, Shifley was second star, Sandberg was third star, and. Well, Sandberg had a really good game, too, as as did Shifley, even though he didn't show up on the score sheet. He still had a, a very good game. But nonetheless, you know, kind of wish that our, our boy that scored the lone goal would have ended up there. But it's all right. Yeah, and it seems like in another play we haven't mentioned yet, Logan Stanley, who is everybody's favorite. Oh, yeah. Basically, seemed to show out. He he was he was doing some of those things you draft a six seven defenseman to do, namely, if you're really lucky, be Zidane Chara. But I mean, that's a once <laughs> that's a once in a generation. But like that's the idea: be big, be intimidating. He was doing that, mm-hmm. and it's it's nice to see him use his size. That was something that that was my biggest gripe about him for the longest time. Uh, was, and I think I actually mentioned this on the show at one point, where the only time that Logan Stanley had used his size in the past was sitting on Kirill Kaprizov. It's about the only time he's ever used his size. Can't say I mind having Minnesota players uh, take some punishment from Winnipeg Jets players. I Mm -hmm. don't mind that too much. You don't want to see any... Right. You don't want to see anyone get hurt, but, uh, you know, it's a- any kind of dig that you can take at the, the fan base, of course, as a as a Jets fan, taking little tiny digs at the Minnesota fan base, of course, hoping that Kirill Kaprizov is OK or anyone for that matter, hoping that they're OK, but still taking those tiny little jabs at them is kind of fun, especially like well, you that's said. What, that's rivalries for you. Yeah, exactly. And. Um, then kind of going back to the game that really started this turnaround too, 
I think this trip back home was really helpful. I mean, the Penguins have always been a team that's really been the thorn in the side of the Jets, um, no matter how good, bad, indifferent both teams are. Um, the Penguins are always that that force that they can't seem to overcome. But they looked very well, especially early on in that game uh, last weekend against the Penguins. And to come out with the dub, a close game, very hard fought in the second and third period especially. Uh, it kind of showed the resilience of this team. And that is what we talked last week about having that hard fought win, whether it's an overtime or a very close game, uh, such as what happened. Um, I think that that's what they needed for this little turnaround. And I am actually pretty excited for these upcoming games that they have um, coming up in Western Canada. Yeah. And, and it's good to be not talking about a losing streak anymore. That was a couple of weeks too long for me. Uh, so a couple of games on the right side of the ledger now, and now mm -hmm. we're hoping over the next couple, three, four games that we see one of those games where the Jets decide, oh, th that's right, we like to score. So let's <laughs> let's put up a few. Yeah, especially being that uh, upcoming this Saturday is this is going to be a rough one against Vancouver. You know, they're obviously a. Uh, a very stacked team. They're they're very good this year, and it's it's going to be hard. You know, goals for. I mean, thankfully, you know, both of our boys are playing really well between the pipes. But uh, Vancouver in the regular season is second in goals for. They're averaging three point six nine goals per game to Winnipeg's two point nine eight. Now that actually puts us twentieth in the league. Uh, as far as goals for, but goals against were first 2.27 and Vancouver, they're fourth. So we've, they're at 2.57 goals against average. Um, so the scoring is really going to have to show up. Yep. And, and, it, and it's time. It's been what almost double digit games where the Jets haven't been scoring much at all. So hopefully we could deal with the scoring slump in January, February, and we don't have to see it come April because if it keeps going like this, that's a pretty easy recipe for finishing third in the central losing four to two in the first round and feeling like you didn't get anywhere this year. Mm -hmm. When there was a lot of high hopes going at the end of December and early January, kind of like oh, last yeah. year. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it starts going in. Hopefully last night was a reminder that, yes, they can score. They will start scoring again. Everything's starting to click again. Let's see how it goes over the next week or so, and we don't have to worry about scoring droughts anymore. <clears throat> now, this is going to be something that's very important, uh, that the Jets are going to have to make sure that they keep their discipline in check because penalty kill, I mean, we've, said special teams has been a real issue. 5v5 hasn't really been much of an issue. In fact, it's been the Jets have been one of the top teams in the league, uh, five on five. But yeah, we, We've special, made our jokes about declining penalties before. So. <laughs> yeah, and they might have to because their uh, power play is an abysmal 15%. That's 26th in the league. 
Now, again, this is a team that's really struggling to score, too. Uh, the penalty kill for Vancouver, not great, not bad. Uh, 80%. They're right in the middle of the league. They're 15th in the league, so pretty much right in the middle. Um, as far as Vancouver's power play, 24%. That puts them top 10. They're at ninth in the league uh, for power play percentage. And as far as the Jets' penalty kill, also pretty much as bad as their uh, power play percentage. 78% on the penalty kill puts them 24th in the league. So they're not they're they're going to want to stay disciplined because going on the penalty kill against a team like Vancouver you know one of the only uh power plays that would scare me even more is Edmonton's they're I don't care where Edmonton's power play is in the league they could be 30th in the league but with the power play units that they have specifically their first unit uh that would scare me no matter what so yeah some some sets of players and some certain Connors are very, very good no matter what the numbers say. Exactly. And if the numbers are low, well, guess what? That's going to come up. So even more reason to be scared. Mm-hmm. And now the following game, Calgary, maybe not as tough of a test as Vancouver, but playing in the Saddle Dome still going to be uh, still going to be a challenge too. Now Calgary for right now, anyways, things can change up until time these boys play, but uh, they're on a losing streak of one. They're five and five and oh in their last 10 uh, Winnipeg four, five and one in their last 10. So not really any better, uh, but we're riding a two game win streak right now. As far as power play between the two teams, equally as abysmal, 15% for Winnipeg, 15% for Calgary. Uh, but if you carry decimal places, if you're really trying to split hairs here, Calgary is 27th in the league in power play and Winnipeg 26th. Uh, but Calgary's penalty kill is actually very, very good. And in that division, again, going back to Edmonton's power play, you have to have a good penalty kill. Uh, they're at 85%, third in the league. Uh, face-off percentage, the Jets are awful uh, as far as where they're standing in the league. 47% puts them at 29. Uh, but there's, I shouldn't say awful because there's right around that 50% where, of course, most of the league is. 51% for Calgary face-off percentage puts them at 11. Um, goals four for Calgary, they can find the back of the net a little easier than the Jets. 3.08 goals per game uh but goals against exactly three and that puts them at 13 so that could and the last time these two teams played uh back in october uh calgary bested us five to three so that was also in the sorry that was also in cowtown so could be a revenge tour yeah and calgary has got a lot to play for over these next couple of weeks too before the trade deadline. They got to decide, mm-hmm. hey, do we want to do we want to see if we can sneak into the playoffs yet or do we want to unload everything we've got? So, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that that's the back of their minds as they're going about their business over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they're uh 3 points behind St. Louis, but St. Louis has a game in hand 
against Calgary as well. They've got 55 points in 53 games, whereas St. Louis has 58 in 52 games. So, like you said, they have a lot to play for. And, you know, Money Hands has been back to Calgary since he left, of course. But, you know, it it should be – there's always got to be something. You know, of course, we'll never experience this. But the team that gave you your start, your first opportunity – going back to that barn, no matter if it's years down the road, uh, I think there's got to be something special about that. And you're going to want to play harder against that team that did give you that first opportunity. Yeah, that'd be a great, it'd be a great time for, for uh, a couple of goals out of Monahan for sure. Um, Love to see him start getting up, getting hot. Yeah. I think that uh, a lot of us would like to see that. And, you know, we'll we'll have to see how this goes, but I'm pretty optimistic about this uh, this road trip. If I were to uh, guess the results of those two games, I would. This is you know I say optimistic, but uh, I think that we'll take three out of four points. I think that the game in Vancouver is going to be very hard fought. I think that we'll come up short in overtime, uh, but that's not to say that the boys aren't going to give it their all. Um, and I think it's going to be a very good, uh, game. And I think the scoring is going to come back for us. Um, Calgary, I think that that'll be a hard fought game too, but I think in the end, I think it'll be a two goal game is, is my guess. But what are your thoughts? I I would certainly hope so. And then what is it, uh, in Calgary and then the next night in at home against Minnesota against Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. That worries me a little bit just for the sake of the back-to-back and a fired-up opponent at the same time. Yeah, and, you know, like we were saying how Calgary has a lot to play for. Minnesota's tied with Calgary, so they've got 55 points as well. Now, their goal differential is a little worse. Uh, Calgary is actually dead even as far as goal differential is concerned on the year. Minnesota is minus 11. And so they, I mean, to, to go up against a team like that when you're struggling to score may bode somewhat well for us, but, you know, things have happened before, you know, stranger things have happened. Oh, yeah, of course. It's just I look at the schedule and go, I'm worried about that one because travel, no rest, and, oh, by the way, third game in four nights against a team that doesn't like us. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be and, for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're also a team that will always play hard. And especially, I mean, they, they've got some young guns on that team too. You know, last five games, Matt Boldy, seven points. Uh, so, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty great. And got, like, for example, for us, the last five games, Josh Morrissey, two assists as, one of our leaders in the last five games. That's how hard scoring has been to come by. Um, but as far as uh, where the Wild are in the uh, last 10 games, too, they've won seven of their last 10. Uh, so that is that is going to be quite the test, especially on the backside of a back-to-back. Now, that begs the question, in Calgary, do you start Pelly or do you start Brossois? And then, of course, the flip side on the back-to-back. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's if you're the coach, are you saying 
I believe do you want to have your backup play on the road against a team not in your division? That might make more sense to me. But then knowing that the home game is against a divisional rival, and so it's more important simply from the standing standpoint. But at the same time, it's also going to be with a team that doesn't have fresh legs in front of them. Mm-hmm. It's tough. And- like if these were if these were flipped, if it was Minnesota Calgary, obviously you start Halley against Minnesota, Brussois Calgary. But having them flipped like that makes it harder for me to say. One thing that could play in the Jets' favor is uh, now it's not the night before, it's the afternoon before, much like how we have, oh, excuse me, uh, we have the uh, matinee against Calgary. Um, Minnesota has a matinee against the Canucks. So Mm. they have a very tough test on the front side of a back-to-back as well. Now, they're at home. Uh, against Vancouver, but then they go on the road the next day to Canada Life Center, which, as we know, especially when that place sells out, that place can get very loud, and it can be a tough place to play. So that could play out in our favor, too. Well, here's hoping. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see the results from each of those games because, well, as we know, going up against Vancouver, coming up here and just... uh, couple days uh they're a tough team they're very physical but they're also going to get you on the score sheet too so they're they kind of got that good dynamic going um but yeah this will i think this is going to be the test that the jets need to see if they need to up their game a little bit at the deadline or if we're just gonna kind of stay where we're at and I wouldn't mind that either if they could play up to their standard that they were showing through most of the season up to that losing streak. Yep. Which I'd just like I'd just like to see a few crooked numbers on the score sheet. That's all I ask. I, I would I think most of the fan base would. Now that also uh I, I was looking at the standings um what was it yesterday, the day before, and this one kind of stuck out to me because, okay, so we know that Edmonton was on a ridiculous winning streak, right? They are still 11th in the league. And even after winning, was it 16 games in a row? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you actually dissect it and look at the records of some of those teams that they played while they were in the midst of that winning streak, they were they pulled a Dallas Cowboys if we're you know being honest here. They were beating up on all of the bad teams, and then they finally get a a good team. They they get a half decent opponent, and they lose. It was Vegas that ended the streak, and it does pain me to say that because I think that you feel the same way about the Vegas Golden Knights as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> you know. Ottawa, Chicago, Detroit, Montreal. Okay, they beat Toronto. Uh, Seattle, Calgary, Columbus, Chicago, Nashville. That These were teams that they had in the midst of their winning streak. And then... Ooh, definitely a murderer's row there. <laughs> yeah. And then Vegas shows up, beats them 3-1. to one. They go up and beat Anaheim 5-3. to three. 
and then they lose 4-0, they get blanked by the Kings. Yeah. yeah. Well, so and yeah, and that streak got them back into the race. It's what they needed to salvage their season, but it also goes to show just how far down they were in October and November to have to do that just to get to where they're at right now. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Um, it, it does put them third in the Pacific, um, but mind you, they they only have 49 games, so they have four games in hand uh, against Vegas, who is in second in the Pacific right now, who's five points ahead of them. So if they can get their act together and actually beat the good teams too, they might actually have a pretty good chance at least getting second. If we're being honest, I don't think they're going to catch Vancouver unless they go on another win streak like that. Um, but I think they got it all out of their system because they had a pretty cake schedule at the end of December and most of January. Yeah, they're not getting that stretch again. No. So, I mean... It's it is the way it is. Oh, I guess Joe left. Joe, you still there? No. Okay. So I'll go into what I was saying, anyways. Uh, but you play. You did. Oh, there you are. Yep. <laughs> did did I leave or did you? I think we had just a little bit of a hiccup. We're good here. <laughs> It happens, but um, what I was saying is, you know, it's the old adage, you play who they put in front of you, and, you know, you you go to each barn at least once, everyone comes to your barn at least once, uh, but when you get the schedule aligned the way it was for Edmonton, you have to go on a streak like that uh, if you want to be successful, because you, you have to take advantage of that. And they did, so kudos to them. But now, like the Dallas Cowboys, they got to beat the good teams. Question is, can they do it? I guess we'll find out. They seem to struggle against Vegas and Los Angeles. Well, who doesn't struggle against Vegas, to be honest? That is also very true. (laughs) Not that I'm bitter or anything. Mm, that that one hurts and uh i mean that's one of the reasons why i hate vegas as much as i do just as a result of that first year that they were in the league playoffs yeah playoff rivalries last for a while mm-hmm. even after they're over oh absolutely but um i guess the the last question that we have on this before we move into bombers news but um is is this really the make or break point for the Jets this year? Talking about like certain um, stri- like stretches of schedule. Uh, this one, you know, you have two teams in this. Uh, I don't want to call it a complete road trip because the last game against Minnesota, but in this upcoming stretch, two of these teams have everything to play for. Uh, you know, and they're essentially playing with house money at this point because it's like okay well if we lose this upcoming stretch we can we're bad enough that we could just tank trade away some guys and build for the future uh whereas the jets are in that position that they're kind of in that have to win now because they can't really tank at this point they've had too good of a stretch um and they've already mortgaged 
some draft picks to pick up a guy well before the, the deadline. Um, and then the other team in this stretch is one of the top teams in the league in Vancouver. So is this really going to be the make or break point for the Jets this season? I, I think it would help them get back on get back on track if they could win two out of these three. Especially, as I've been saying this whole time, remind yourself that you could score more than one goal a game. If you can do mm-hmm. that, if you can get that feeling back, if you can start making your run where you're scoring three, two, three a game, your defense is good enough to hold teams under that. You can win games 3-2 if you have to, but it's really, really hard to win one nothing games all the time. Even with so the goalie I'm, tandem that we have. Yes, even with that. It's possible with that goalie tandem. It's just not easy. Um, just if they can remind themselves what it feels like to have more than, and they're already starting with San Jose. It looked a lot better than it has. They could find if they could find if they could find their feet under them again with Monahan in the lineup, with some changes that are going on in the games. They're seeing some new line strategies. If they could find one that clicks, like the Lions did when Connor was out. Let's be honest, when he was out, they were on fire for some reason. Yeah, if they could find something that clicks like that. Then we could start sitting here talking about, hmm, do we finish first place? But if they can't find anything, if they can't find sustainable scoring, we're going to be sitting here in April going, well, it's too bad that it's too bad that we're out of we're out of this already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, I think this will be pretty important for them. I don't think it's the make or break point, but I think it's very important. Uh, these next couple of games to, uh, to to really make that difference and set that trajectory for the end of the season. Yeah, because they're um, pulling out of they're pulling out of the little dive they were doing. They were starting to fade a bit, and now they're starting to get it back on track. So let's keep it that way. Yep, and I mean all win streaks start with one win, and then you build the next one, of course. Now you have they've got two. So. I mean, hey, maybe, like I said, I think that we'll get on the road trip portion. I think that we'll get three or four points, but been wrong before. Maybe we can get four out of four. So zero out of four is not acceptable, though. I'll take four out of six in this three game stretch. I think that sounds fair. That'll keep us, that'll keep us in, that'll keep us where we're trying to head. Exactly. And now you got some bombers news to talk about, Joe. Yeah, just a touch. Uh, really, what we what we were talking about last week with with the Ed Hervey memorial tampering window, um, the players that we thought are gone are gone. The players we kept, some of the players we didn't think we we're going to keep. It's going to be a win overall for keeping the core together. On the other hand, we found out over the past day or so that. Uh, Rashid Bailey and Jeff Gray are be, are no, are no longer a consideration to be brought back. I think Bailey hurts because he does a lot of the little things right. Uh, but then we talk about Jeff Gray, who was our left guard last season. They're letting him go so they don't have to pay him starter money because they've got both Liam Dobson and Tui L.A. Uh, behind him to take that spot. They're also working on trying to refill that left tackle or the right tackle spot 
and there's also a quarter spot out there to be to be had as well. And both of those are likely going to be players we've never heard of before. Because the one thing I've learned about the CFL is that it's sometimes the signings that that flash across flash across the feed. You look, it's players you've never heard of because they're from smaller schools, and then by and then by July, you know their name because they've gone and taken a starting spot. So it's going to be those positions are probably going to be uh, taken by those by those types of players. Uh, they also did lose Malik Clements from the linebacking core. Um, they did bring back Shane Gauthier, who's been fantastic on special teams for years. And Bombers fans will remember that tackle he made on that punt return late in the 2019 West Final. If he doesn't make that tackle. They might not win. They might not top that year, right? Uh, Jesse Briggs did file his retirement papers, though. So he, same vein of player, but he is moving on with his life at this point. So, not a lot of big positive things beyond Oliver and Schoen coming back. The Bombers haven't signed anybody off of anybody else's roster. No big splashes, but considering how well they've kept the core together, they didn't need to do that. And I mean, keeping a core together is a big thing for chemistry too. Like I, I think that uh, you know they they have some older guys in this core too. But um, I have a I have a good feeling that you at least kept that together because I feel like if you kind of blew it up now, you know, we've been saying about how you know twenty twenty five Grey Cup is going to be that last hurrah, so to speak, for this core. And if we were to for the big hills for the Jeffersons for Caloros for mm-hmm. Stanley Bryant, possibly, and we may lose a couple of those players over the off over next off season because Jackson Jeffcoat announced his retirement. He's not going to be back. There's been players. There's players from that foundation that are coming off ones and twos at a time, but I could see the rest of that group all disappearing after 2025. Right, but. I, I just, you know, with we're, we're kind of in a Buffalo Bills situation now, aside from, you know, 2019, uh, you know, you love to say 2020 Grey Cup champs. Um, and just, 2021. So there's two of them there. Yeah. And you were a drive away twice for the last two. So saying that they're a favorite for 2024 is an outlandish. Mm. I mean, it's... Uh, I just i I want to see them actually finish. You know, uh, it would be nice. To... What's that? You're telling me because I got cold pretty quickly after those drives. <laughs> yeah, but um, it would just it would be nice to to see that and knowing that after we blow this core up, it's probably going to be a couple of dark years. I mean. As bomber fans, we've gone through some very dark years before, some very long stretches of dark years too. Uh, so, but so like it's it's coming, but you just want to see something special at uh, I I'm calling it the throne room. Uh, you want to see something special at the throne room in 2025. Yeah, or or even one more in 2024, even if it doesn't go well in 2025, just one more. One more would make this feel a lot better. Yeah. But I guess that remains to be seen, too. They got the talent. That's that's for sure. They do. 
they've got the talent, they've got the coaching staff, they have the front office staff. They got they got a job to do again. It's hard to climb that mountain over and over and over again. It's just they got two more cracks at the can with or kicks at the can with this with this group. Let's see if they can make something of it. So I saw something that was interesting. Um, it's of course speculation. Do I really think it's going to happen? No, but um, I need to get your input on this. Where you think he would fit in the most uh, in the league? But after the Steelers released Mitch Trubisky, you know he's he was an experiment. You know Chicago traded up for him. Uh, he he was average. You know I would say in Chicago I wouldn't say he was above average especially for as high of a draft pick as he was. Uh, Buffalo, he was not good. And somehow he was way worse going into Pittsburgh. Now, the rumor that I saw is, okay, well, Trubisky going to the CFL or the USFL would make sense because it doesn't seem like he can crack it in the NFL. And some guys are great college quarterbacks that just can't crack it in the NFL. Terrell Pryor comes to mind for that. Um but if Trubisky were to go to the CFL, where do you think he would fit the most? Uh, the answer is nowhere. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could see a team like Hamilton that has nothing beyond Bo and Taylor Powell. Maybe. I don't think that's a this year thing. I think that's. Oh, it's oh, not a this year thing. Trubisky doesn't have an NFL job in 2024. Well, let's see. Uh, I will say one of the worst CFL quarterbacks I've seen in the decade of watching most of the games. I mean, I would say I watched between Johnny Manziel. of the games. No, like there was something there, but he wasn't ready to do it. Basically, it was his, it was more of a personal thing than a talent thing. Sure. One of the worst CFL quarterbacks I have seen. Uh, just based off of what what I've seen what I've seen of him in the CFL and of course what he what he was doing in the NFL was Ryan Lindley. Mm. Uh, he came from air. He, there was that one year where Carson Palmer went down in Arizona and they had like yep. six hundred quarterbacks and Lindley was one of them. Not great, but got a sh- got a chance in Ottawa and no, just no. <laughs> like nope, you don't belong here. Nope. You don't fit. That was like, so that, you know, I was talking about great college quarterbacks that just couldn't crack it in the NFL. That almost in a way reminds me going back to the Terrell Pryor thing. Um, He was obviously fantastic at Ohio state gets his chance. Does not play very well at all. So, I mean, very, very fast. Uh, so that wasn't an issue. And I feel like in today's game, he probably would be pretty all right, at least. Maybe not great, but he did get his chance at wide receiver. That didn't go well either. No. Poor guy. Yeah, the, just sometimes there's more to it than just the physical skill. And if you have the wrong coaching, you could even take a guy that's got some that's got the physical skill and the mental skill and break him. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to tell sometimes who's at fault when a player falters like that. 
But <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes the wrong situation is the worst thing you could have possibly have happen as a player. Makes me think of Jamarcus Russell. Who who dropped the ball on that one? Yes. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, that That's- was still that was like Al Davis trying to make still back in 1977 going. Let's find the fastest fastest players we could find. It's like <laughs> everybody else caught up to you like 20 years ago. Like, figure it out. Yeah. Oh man, that's Jamarcus Russell, one of the biggest busts of all time. Maybe not the biggest, but he's 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 like a. I, he's on the short list. Yes, I would. Uh, well, I guess this is maybe something that we could do for our landing segment. Then we'll talk about busts. And we, I guess we talked about Jamarcus Russell, um, but who, in your opinion, I have mine already set, but who do you think is, in your opinion, one of the biggest NHL draft busts? Do you want me to go through mine first while you think about it? I've got, I've got two names off the top of my head, but go ahead, because I'm sure I'll match. I was going to say, one of them is probably going to match, and I have Nail Yakupov at the top of the list. That was one. Who was your other one? I mean, the other one, just based off of hype, I mean, he had a decent career, but hype and what he said as he came in was Alexander Degg way back when. Mm, like, yep. Nobody's going to remember who's number two, except number two is Chris Pronger, so... <laughs> Yeah, who's Chris Pronger? I I don't think I've ever heard of him before. Alternate universe, I guess, right? Oh yeah. <clears throat> oh man, yeah. I would have to say those those two are certainly up there. Um, my my favorite thing about uh, Yakupov was that he he got his chance with a couple teams too, and just couldn't do it. And I mean, you you feel bad for the guy. Um, but at the end of the day, the you know you're you're that good to get drafted that early first first overall. You know you got to show up when it when the lights are on, and there's just some guys that can't do it. And there's just one more thing about an NHL drafting that makes it well multiple things, but harder than other sports is that you also have culture shock. Yeah. Changing your changing the culture that you're in. All of a sudden, you have a ton of money, but you don't know the language. Mm-hmm. For some players, that's the end of the line. So, and now, you know, not I'm not trying to throw him in with the draft bust category yet, but one player who thought I would hear a lot more about um, after he got drafted. I mean, you, you hear about him every so often now. But Alexis Lafreniere, I thought I would hear a lot more about him than I do, uh, you know, a couple years in now. But I'm not calling him a bust. But I just think that yeah. I would. And that and that that has a whole nother level of, that's a whole nother level to it. But mm-hmm. the height meter is very low at this point for that, especially given the market he's in. Yeah, seriously. I was thinking like, you know, draft day, like, oh, this this guy is he's not going to be a Sidney Crosby-esque type player, but he's he's going to be, you know, the topic of conversation a lot of times. And he's he's just 
another player in the league now. And of course, these guys are playing at a level that I can only dream of. Uh, if right. that and even. really, that makes you a successful first round draft pick. Yeah, yeah. It's just when you have that label, the number one label, there's generational expectations when there's only a few generational players at any given time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, too, you know, you have your draft classes that might not be as deep as others. So it's like if you're in a average draft class, so to speak, uh, you know, you're the first overall. Well, you know, in other draft classes, you might be 10th overall, you know. Exactly. So, yeah, it's just that. Uh, that or you can have a really top-heavy draft where the first three are generational potential and everybody else is, well, you, you could be fourth to 20th and you're the same guy. So, good luck figuring Pretty out Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Well, you got any closing thoughts, Joe? Uh, beyond just sitting here and waiting to have answers on whether the Jets could get back on the get back on a roll and how the Bombers are going to fill these spots, I've just been going to sit here and ponder those for a while. That's all I've got. I think that we'll at least get the Jets answers by next week. We will. The Bombers' answer is going to take a little longer. Yeah. So, but we'll get them eventually. And that's what we're here for at the Winnipeg Terminal, right? Yep. We'll have answers. Even if, even if we don't know the questions sometimes. This is very true. And there's a lot of them out there. Well, this is the Winnipeg Terminal. We are clear for landing for the dub. Go Jets, go.